Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Acts chapter 2, verse 24. It says this, Paul is speaking here and he says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. I'm going to read it one more time. But my life is worth nothing, says Paul. Worth nothing to me unless I use it to finish the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. Now I've titled tonight's message, The Driving Force. The Driving Force. Now I want you to just nod your head or wave at me or shout or do whatever you please if you had an arch nemesis in primary school. Yes, okay. No, seriously, who had an arch nemesis? So you were just like, you had an arch nemesis. Now, it, it was particularly bad for me because my arch nemesis arrived in year five. So I was going well. I had kindy to year four to like really just nail life. And then in year five, along comes a cooler, better, sportier version of me named Jackson. Before him... I played rugby league and I was uh, number one. Now, number one, if you're not familiar with, um, with my heyday, is the position of fullback. It's a coveted position. It is like the greatest of all positions. It's, it's like the leanest, meanest, fastest person gets number one. Okay? Um, when Jackson came along, uh, I was demoted to number two while he got number one. Number two, so number one is literally the coolest position on the field, I think, as a lean brother. Number two is a very vital position, very vital, Nick Kreef, but the lamest position of dummy half. So in one year, I, was, I won a premiership when I was in year four. I was fullback. And the following year, I was demoted all the way to number two by Jackson. One, night, one day he comes to school and he says, um, uh, I'm just around him, we, we hardly talked. Um, he also got school captain, something that I wanted to go for. And I'm just, I'm telling you, man, I mean, this guy demolished me. Jackson, if you are listening to this, I love you and I have forgiven you on many levels. Um, he comes to school and he goes, um, and I'm hearing him talk and he goes, um, I went to see Dirty Dancing in the city last night. Um, and Dirty Dancing was like this musical production um, and whatnot. Um, and I didn't know that it was a musical production and I didn't, I didn't really care, to be honest. All I, all I knew is that he said, I went to see Dirty Dancing and I just, um, I just left out C and I added class. And so I spread a rumour around the whole school that Jackson had been to Dirty Dancing classes in the city last night. What does Jackson do in his spare time when he's not number one fullback? He dirty dances. Um... When I, so uh, we went separate ways in high school, thank God. Um, I don't know if I could uh, handle the, the pummeling that came just of him being literally better than every, at everything than me. Um, anyway, so we do, we do uh, high school, we do university, and um, in year 11, we sort of formed this crew that would study every day together. 
Um, and we would literally meet up Monday to Friday before we came to youth, even on a Friday, and we would study at Cronulla Library every day together. And um, it continued even somewhat throughout uni. So we, we began to get very tight um, as a crew. So fast forward another couple of years, and it's a few years out of uni, two years out of uni, um, and I had done the same degree as, as one of my friends. Um, we'd done the same degree. We'd, we'd graduated high school the same year. I, I don't like to brag, but I got a higher ATAR. Um, uh, done the same degree. Um, you know, uh, we were just like, we were just par and par, just cruising together. And, uh, and then I get a Facebook event invite. And it's at a Thai restaurant in Sutherland because she's gotten a new job. And a couple of years out of uni, I'm a full-time youth pastor, which I absolutely love, hands down, love, 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 love. Um, uh, I did need to add that disclaimer. Um, uh, because I arrived at the, at the dinner, I hadn't seen her for a bit, but she was one of those people that we were par on par traveling, you know, through life in similar directions and whatnot. And, uh, and I asked, what is this new job that she's gotten? And she says, uh, I got a job heading up the Mercedes-Benz account for the largest marketing agency in the world, and she will be director of the Mercedes-Benz account for all of North America. <laughs> She's flying, they're, fl they're relocating her to New York. All expenses paid, flying business class, for those who know me, particular sore spot. <laughs> and at that point, now I do absolutely love what I do. But at that point, knowing what she was doing, I sat there and everyone's talking around me and I'm sitting at this restaurant and I'm having this full-on God moment because I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, same income, same super contribution. <laughs> and all I can see is one escalator going up and one escalator going down. And I'm thinking to myself, she's flying to New York, business class, to, to run the Mercedes-Benz account for North America, for the largest marketing agency in the world. And I am in Sutherland. looking after teenagers. <laughs> and all I could see was an escalator going up. And if I'm being completely honest, questioning like, what am I doing? I'm not impressive enough. If she can, I should be doing that. Because if she's doing that, I could be doing that. And I'm like, maybe I should quit everything and I should go chase some dream because I want people to look at me and clap me like they're clapping her. And I wanna have a going away dinner where I'm being flown business class to live in New York. And I was sitting there having this dialogue God moment and God was forcing this question on me, like putting it forefront in my mind, forefront in my heart, Jackson, choose. What will be the driving force of your life? Will it be chasing what everyone else chases? Will it be doing what everyone else does? Will it be living to get the accolades of humans? Or will you say like Paul said, it doesn't matter what anybody else says or what anybody else does. 
It doesn't matter even the advice or wise counsel sometimes. I've had an encounter with God and my life, truthfully, I know it's not the same as your calling or the same as what God has placed on other people to do, but truthfully, to me, my life isn't worth much if I don't do what God has called me to do. What is the driving force of your life? Because here, Paul is in the midst of, he's just about to embark on a journey that will likely, at worst, or let's say this, at best, land him in, him in prison. At worst, get him killed. And he's got all of the wise counsel, and he's got everyone's opinions, and he's even got heartfelt, like, mums and dads, I can imagine, being like, please don't go. He's currently travelling around churches, and the Bible says just strengthening churches everywhere. So he's doing a really, really, really good job. <laughs> you know? And, and so here he is, but he feels an inner drive. He's had an encounter with God, and he knows the journey leads him to Jerusalem. But at Jerusalem, there's danger. At Jerusalem, it's not going to be easy for him. Jerusalem, there's, it's filled with people that are out to get him. But he says, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. If the driving force of Paul's life was fear, he would have stayed to avoid pain. If it were people-pleasing, he would have ignored God and listened to the consensus. You know the consensus of just what you should do? If it were comfort, he would have used wisdom to stay safe. It's wiser for me not to go. If it were shame or guilt, he would have found another more pressing need to busy himself with and to make himself to cover the shame and guilt. And if he were proving something to someone, he would have stayed to avoid the embarrassment of prison. Even with all the options that were safe and more comfortable and the people liked more and people approved of more, he says, I'm sorry. It's the, it's the most beautiful chapter. He says, I have to go. You'll probably never see me again. I have to go because the driving force of my life is the call that God placed on me. I have... A lot of points that I'm going to dish out hard and fast, and they're great conversation starters for you and your life group leader. Is that okay? I want to talk directly about my experience. Before we go into ministry, I want to talk directly about my experience of God being my driving force. Number one, I work from God's approval, not for it. When you are in the will of God, you're not working to get the approval of God. God actually saves you, anoints you, calls you. He gives the approval. Ephesians chapter 2 says it's a gift from God. You can't take credit for it. But now go and do the good works. I want to say to some people tonight that the call of God is leaving the shame-based system where we work to fill the deficiencies of our soul and our lives. So we're leaving the shame-based system and we are entering the grace-based system where God gives you what we don't, gives us what we don't deserve so that we can go ahead and do the things that God's called us to do. 
I work from God's approval, not for it. When I'm, when God is my driving force, number two, I regularly do things that don't make sense. Intrinsic to what Paul is saying here is the whole concept of, I know it doesn't make sense, but the call of God is, all, is often about, God, this makes no sense. I put in the right parameters and it's not about making um, irrational and unwise choices. There's actually, you will find that your godly counsel, will, God will speak to them as well. But I often find myself doing things that don't make sense, studying things that didn't make sense, giving up things that don't make sense, sowing an amount that doesn't make sense, going there when it doesn't make sense. Number three, when God is my driving force, is this okay? I am satisfied in the least likely places and I'm dissatisfied in the most likely places. This is what I found in the call of God that I am satisfied, my soul is happy and satisfied in places that I never would have expected. And the things where I was satisfied before are no longer satisfying. Yet in the call of God, actually this is a great passage to study actually in John chapter four. Jesus says, um, actually I'll just read it directly from verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. You need to eat, get satisfied. But Jesus replied, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. When I'm in the will of God, there is a satisfaction that does not make sense. I actually feel tonight, I felt in worship, didn't write it down, but I felt in worship that there are people searching for satisfaction and you are, you will only find it in the call of God for your life. You've actually left the call of God to find satisfaction when really the satisfaction will only come when you're in the call of God in your life. I also felt this. I also felt this. I, I, I want to say that when I, you know what I love is that when someone who hasn't been to church in a long time comes back and they stand at the front here and they worship God like they've been here the whole time. That's the heartbeat of God that you would come back into the loving embrace of the Father Romans chapter 11 says the gifts and call of God are irrevocable. They will not be taken away, says God. And I love, it. I've got to say, reflecting back on, on, you know, discovering the call of God for myself, it does vacillate, well, not the call, but I go in and out of it all the time. Can I just say, you stick in there, you keep enduring through that, you keep on turning up, you watch the Holy Spirit make you steady, consistent in the call of God. Is this Okay. Okay, number four, when I'm, um, my experience, when, I'm, when God is my driving force, it involves hardship and suffering, but they will be your making, not your breaking. It involves hardship and suffering, but they will be your making, not your breaking. And I also prophetically sensed to, to say this tonight, is because as I was reading um, uh, and studying Acts chapter 20, what really struck me was that Paul was doing a mighty good work. Like he was travelling around strengthening churches everywhere. He was doing a great job. But Jerusalem that led him to prison is where he wrote the most influential writings known to man. Those prison epistles change our lives today. I want to say that the, the will and the call of God does include times of suffering and hardship but God is using it to make you and your influence and expand you and I more than it is It is not there to break us. In fact, um, 2 Corinthians says, um, Paul says it himself, I am hard pressed on every side, but I am not crushed. Okay, 
I'm liking this. Is this all right? I keep on saying that after every point. Apologies. Um, who does nine points? Shocking. Um, number five. When God is my driving, uh, driving force, it is near impossible to outwork it without friends that are as zealous about the things as, of God as you. I want to say this. It isn't impossible. It isn't impossible. You and God can get through anything. I mean that. But I am not that superhuman. <laughs> and I have found, I speak from experience and from all the wives' counsel that I receive, that it is near impossible to fulfill the call of God on your life and the call of God on my life without having friends or a friend as passionate about God as me. Um, Jude chapter one verse, uh, Jude only has one chapter, but verse 21, um, uh, it says, but you beloved, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves safe in the, uh, keep yourselves in the love of God as you await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. You keep yourselves in the love of God. It's a community thing. It's a walking along the narrow road with brothers and sisters. Number six. This got me um, many times over. I wish this wasn't true. It isn't one big decision, unfortunately. (laughs) It's a thousand plus, plus, plus little and big decisions. (laughs) Now, moment of honesty, who wishes that the call of God was just one decision, one moment of faith? That would be a great life. But the truth is, a moment on the altar is amazing and irreplaceable. However, it's more like one decision per half hour in the call of God. (laughs) of constantly choosing, I will go the God way. I will do the God thing. (laughs) Okay, number seven. This fits in right into the last one. Number seven, it isn't as much how I do it. uh, it, Sorry, it is as much how I do it as it is what I do. How I do it, just as much as it is what I do. The call of God is also a how, not a what. As well as the direction there is also how to outwork the direction. There are multiple people in the room that I know of and there are more that I don't know of that are called to make significant money in their lifetime. But it isn't just about what you do and what you're called to do. It's about how you're called to do it. We're not meant to get the God outcome the world's way. In fact, it'll destroy our souls trying to do that. It's about getting the God outcome the God way. Oh man, I'm preaching to myself. Number eight, it's an endurance game. The power isn't in starting, it's in finishing. Go study Hebrews 11, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and 12. But in the verse that we read from Paul, he says, what is my life worth unless I finish the work that God's called me to do? This, my friends, is an endurance game. <laughs> we gotta be in this for the long haul. I actually find a lot of purpose and meaning that my greatest years of fulfillment and influence and kingdom impact are not in my 20s, 30s and 40s. That if I can stick in there, they'll be in my 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s. 
And, and you know what I've noticed as I watch the church around us, and we are a multi-generational church, so I get to sit here on a Sunday and I get to watch men and women of faith and I get to watch how God uses them to expand the kingdom. And when you've been doing the endurance race for as long as they have, their influence isn't about doing or saying. Heather Cartini just has to sit there and the kingdom comes. You just got to sit next to Heather in a service. You just got to sit next to these men and women, these generals of faith, because they did the endurance game. For them, it's not about doing, it's about being, and us soaking it in. (laughs) I was about to use the word osmosis, but then I thought, I don't know if I'm allowed. (laughs) Am I Aziza? Oh, thank you, Pastor Aziza. (laughs) Number nine, and I'll get keys up, please. Number nine. I have found in my own personal experience of God being the driving force of my life that significant offerings are God letting me be a part of his work, but also him presenting me with the question, am I really the driving force behind your whole life? Can I say that one more time? In my journey of this far, of God, me doing my best and our best to keep God the driving force of our lives, significant offerings like the one that will be next week, are God letting me be a part of his work, but also him presenting me with the question, Am I really the driving force behind your whole life? I, um, I have a, a really good friend. He comes to our church. He's, he's awesome. Um, his name is Junior, and uh, he plays footy. Um, and we lived together for a while, and um, it's crazy to think I, I, um, he left a pair of his footy shorts, and I tried them on, and they fit, which is, you know, um, that's... <laughs> Startling, startling reality. Um, uh, now, Karen, I feel so cool when I wear these shorts. I feel like I'm number one fullback again. And I feel like the man. So when I go, when I go to the gym, sometimes I wear my Como crocodile shorts um, up the Crocs. <laughs> Up the crock, spins up, boys. Now, when I'm at the gym, right, <laughs> when I'm at the gym, um, people will come up and say to me, they'll say, ah, the Como Crocodiles. Oh, what position do you play? <laughs> and uh, I will say, I be number one. And I will not lie, but I will twist it somehow for them to know that I was number one at some point in my life. It happened to be when I was eight. Now, we're at the gym the other day um, and we got a new trainer at our gym because I go to group classes, it's really quite lame, but it works for me. Um, right, so I'm at, I'm at the gym and 
um, we got this new trainer and I must say he's very cool. Um, like really cool. I think there is a there is a connection between him and I because um, he has like a really significant lisp um, and I just like, I can relate, like mine's gotten better with age, but I'm just like, you are my bro. I just, and he's so, so cool. So, um, you know, I'm like this this guy and I, and he loves surfing. And so I, I, I surf very occasionally. Um, okay, all right. All right, it's honesty moment for Jackson, okay? And so he goes, you've been out recently? And I'm like, yeah, bro, it's sick. <laughs> and uh, so him and I are becoming surfing buddies. But then one day I wore my Como crocodile shirts, shorts. Um, so he comes over and he goes, oh, Como crocodiles, do you play? And I had this moment where I wanted to say what I normally say, which is like skirt around the question and make myself look cool. The only trouble is that this is even lamer what I'm about to say, but you go with me. Um, I was, I, I happened to be training that day with my mother. Um, so, so we're talking double whammy here, people. Uh, I'm trying to make friends and I'm training with my mum. I must say she puts me and probably 99% of the people in this room to shame at the gym. It's scary. Uh, it is so scary. So I'm already training with her and she is killing it, lifting heavier than me. Okay, wow, real honesty. Okay, <laughs> right? And then he goes, Camo Crocodiles, do you play? And I had this accountability next to me. And I go, no, nah, I don't play anymore. He goes, when did you stop? <laughs> I wanted to die. <laughs> Can my life please be over? <laughs> I, I, I pr- truthfully, I would have skirted around this somehow. I had this accountability, this terrible accountability next to me. And I had to say when I was in year four, So he says, why do you have Como Crocodile shorts? <laughs> and I had to say, because my really cool housemate, I stole them from him and now I'm wearing them to the gym to look cool. <laughs> I found in my life over time that um, I can tell myself God, you are the driving force behind my life. But then a moment like this comes up. And I'm just like, leave that there. And then I sort of feel the Holy Spirit say, you'd at least ask me if I was the driving force behind your life. You'd at le- if I was, you'd at least ask me. And as much as this is because of missions and the work that where he wants to do, it is 
without a doubt. But really, our gracious God is course correcting me at really strategic points in my life and saying, Jackson, this isn't about an offering. This is me asking. Matthew chapter 6, who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve God or money? What's going to be the driving force behind your life, Jackson? God or money? I want to prophesy over our young adults ministry tonight that we will not be a generation that serves money. I want to prophesy over us tonight that we will not be a generation that forgets the purposes and the call of God because we're chasing a business class ticket to some job in North America that God never designed me for. No, the call of God is gonna be the reason that I live my life. I'm gonna start to get a conviction that God, I will not live a life of anything else other than your call. The mission partners that I get to introduce tonight, they hit me on a number of levels. First of all, the first missions partner that I'm gonna introduce you to, um, it's a really intense issue and it really, it, it is a big issue that I, like that it's so big that I'm like, I don't know if I want, I mean, I just say it's so big, God, it's easier to bury my head in the sand. But then this man got a call from God and whatever he was doing before this, he said, once he saw the issue, the Holy Spirit gripped his heart and said, do something about this issue. So as much as he tried to ignore it, a whole and incredible ministry was birthed. And so you can bet your bottom dollar that I am supporting this ministry because this is a man that has chased the call of God. And now we've got a, now that we've got uh, an organisation that we're partnering with uh, that is literally rescuing thousands and thousands and thousands of uh, young people from the sex trafficking slave. So just before I throw to the video, this is in two parts. This is about our Miracle Missions offering. This is what we are investing into. But secondly, I want you to open your heart tonight. I want you to open your heart because God has a bigger plan for your life than you realise. For most people, it won't be an organisation like this. But for whatever you're called to do, the driving force of our lives is going to be the call of God. Um, it's going to be a partnership that's ongoing and this is our first year, but these guys are going to become great friends of Horizon Church um, and doing a work that is so needed in our world. As a youth pastor, like that is so intense that people in our youth ministry in another country could get caught up, literally stolen and trafficked into that sort of industry. But as we give this year, we're putting an end to it for as many as we can in Jesus' name. That's why we call it Miracle Missions Offering. Um, someone who I very loved, I mentioned Sakia. Um, Sakia is just such a champion in my eyes for so many ways. Um, but uh, one of the reasons I love him is I love his parents as well. Um, Josh and Belinda Groves, um, they're a story that really captivated my heart when I first heard it and seeing them outwork the call of God on their lives. Um, Belinda was over in Lesotho, which is a landlocked nation in the middle of South Africa. So it's its own nation, but it's completely surrounded by South Africa. Um, and she was, uh, she worked for Parliament in, in Australia, um, and she was over in Lesotho running elections. And she became aware, aware of an issue over there, and the Holy Spirit gripped her heart. 
and where she had a career path. Her, her husband, Josh, um, funny enough, worked for KPMG, I think, um, which is so funny, given this morning. Um, Tamara, watch out. <laughs> God's calling you to do something amazing. Um, I don't know why it came out like that. We're getting to the end of the message tomorrow. That was bizarre. Um, and, and they would have had their career path, had where they were going, and all of a sudden, they had an encounter with God and now they're like, my life is worth nothing unless I do something about the issue of children on the streets of the main city of Lesotho. So this couple, man, they have done an awesome job. We're seeing the, 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 the fruits of an endurance work. It's very, very cool, very meaningful. This is world changing stuff. This is people and couples following the call of God. Next week, we get to be a part of it. So, take your miracle missions. Young adults, young professionals, don't forget this is more. This is absolutely the honour of being part of a great God work on the earth, absolutely. But it is also your mum standing next to you at the gym. (laughs) And it's accountability. And it's God saying, ask me. Ask me. Don't say that I'm the driving force without asking me and follow what he says. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.